Um, and we've got a treat for you tonight. Um, we've got two awesome guys, Matt and Jamie, here from the Interplanetary Podcast. You don't want to hear me talk. You want to hear these talk guys talk. So I'm going to just do uh, just give them a good warm space store welcome, and thank you guys so much. We're going to play our music. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. Do-do-do-do-do, oh yeah, baby, Kennedy. Wow, that's nice. That's Thanks. nice. John F. Kennedy there. John F. Kennedy. Why are we saying it? Why are we saying going back to the moon this decade? Funnily enough, we're kind of going back to the moon within a decade. If the decade starts in 2020, we will be going back to the moon in, 20, in that decade, or so they say. This is it. Yes. If you're wondering, the, the boy who talks in the, in the title music is... Is my son, so I'll give him a shout it's out. It's son, George. Let's yeah. hear it for George. He's now, he's now, his voice is, how old is he now? 15. Bit deeper yeah. voice now. Yeah, deeper, deeper voice. voice. He'll go, the Interplanetary Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Bloody Interplanetary Podcast, Dad. <laughs> so that's like what I do now. So, yes, there's your hosts. It's the other way around, look. Yeah, squeeze the other way around. There we go. Yeah. Your hosts, Jamie Franklin, everyone. And me, Matt Russell. My girlfriend thinks that's a scarily accurate image of me on the left. I don't know if you think that. At all. Matt says it's because, what did you call my eyes earlier? Uh, little ratty eyes. Yeah, yeah. little ratty eyes. Not very but nice. I look a bit too much like George Lucas. You do look like George Lucas. <laughs> yeah. Right, here we go. So what we thought we'd talk about today, because we haven't really talked about this one at all on the podcast, well, not as much as we should have done, I suppose, is Artemis. So hands up. Who Show of hands. Show of hands. Who knew about Artemis? We've only got one, one person. One, two, 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 three. The Greek god. Goddess. Uh, yes, well, the Greek goddess. Okay, where well, we go with that? Who's heard of the Greek goddess, Artemis? Artemis, yes, is a Greek goddess. Well, tell me a little bit more about Artemis. Who, who's she the sister of? Sister of? Yeah. Ah, I know. Artemis is the sister of Apollo, right? That's the whole point. So Artemis is the new space program of... NASA, the American government, want to run Artemis. Artemis is the sister of Apollo, and it's now the return to the moon. Matt, earlier on you were explaining to me, and I genuinely didn't know this, but the logo is more than we think. Yeah. You tell us about the logo. Okay, so the logo. It's quite cool, actually. All these sort of logos, they look quite uh, like there's not much going on, but this logo is actually really cool. So, the A of Artemis, obviously, is supposed to be quite similar to the A of Apollo, but there's some subtle differences. The A of Artemis is the spearhead of Artemis's spears, because as a Greek goddess, she used to go around firing arrows at people, and it points slightly further than the moon in this picture, and the whole point is, Artemis isn't about going to the moon, it's really about going to Mars, right? We'll get on to that in a minute. Uh, and, 
you'll see obviously the moon's in the picture, but there's also a red line going to the moon. The red represents Mars. But not only does the red represent Mars, if you notice the way that it orbits towards the moon, it's going in the opposite direction to Apollo, and that's because it's the return to the moon. Yeah? Good. It's pretty clever, huh? And the blue of the Earth, which would be kind of like the Earth underneath, is also Artemis's bow, where all the energy and the resources for the mission come from, which is quite clever, isn't it? That, so that's Artemis, the logo. Yeah. <laughs> but what about the mission? Yeah. So here we go. Wait, after, after Matt told me that earlier, I thought I should try and hit him back with something I know about a logo. Does anyone know the bear in a Toblerone logo? Have you ever seen the bear? A few nods. For those who haven't, next time you see a Toblerone logo, you'll see a little bear. Very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> but what's, what's so the significance? That was my bit of logo. No, but what's, the, what's the significance of the bear? Well, I don't know. I haven't looked it up. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> I haven't looked it up. Right, right. I, before we do Artemis, though, a lot of people, and this, I think this is where a lot of the moon hoax stuff comes from. So a lot of people come up to me and say, well, why, why haven't we been back to the moon? What is it about... What is it about Apollo that was so amazing that meant that we went to the moon 50 years ago and we haven't been back since 1972? And it's like, so I thought before we talked about Artemis, what is it that stops us, that means we haven't really been to the moon since? So this is my, this is my quick rundown. And the first one is the physics just isn't in our favor, right? So it's, we are living on a planet that is pretty massive. It's, in fact, it's absolutely huge. If it, was any, if it was much bigger, it might be that space travel would be impossible. So we're kind of just on the edge of space travel at all being possible. So the physics is super against us. So just a quick rundown. In fact, Jamie, blow up a balloon. In fact, who wants to blow up yeah. a balloon? We've got two balloons here. Can I get a hand up? Who wants to join an experiment? Come on, you look like a balloon bar. Remco's oh, easily going to do. Right, if you can blow the balloons up for us, please. Don't so, tie it up. So there is one genius. Unfortunately, he went to Cambridge University, not Oxford University. I know there's probably some kind of rivalry in where it we are now. Yeah. So Isaac Newton basically discovered, not discovered, but kind of wrote down three laws of motion. And essentially... What we're about to see are those three laws of motion put into action. So first of all, nothing moves unless you kind of do an, unless a force is acting upon it. So it has to have an unbalanced force. Now with these balloons, at the moment, they're perfectly fine just sitting there because the air that's inside wants to get out, but the rubber's pushing it back in. So they'll sit there quite happily doing nothing, right? First law of, of Newton is just doing nothing. Right, one of you let go. In fact, let's go, let's go with red balloon. We go. <laughs> yes! <laughs> right. <laughs> so, wow. So, so what's happened? We've got like a force that's, uh, we've, something has made that balloon move. And what's made that balloon move is that the air is rushing out and, it's a, and, it's, and a force is happening. It's, we've now got an unbalanced force, right? And how are you saying? Wait, are you saying for every action, there's a reaction? Well, this is this is point three. Oh, I was what? still doing point two. Oh, come on, hurry up! So point two is something will move 
there's a thing called force equals mass times acceleration. So something, a mass will accelerate as long as you've got a force behind it. So you've, that's the second law of motion. And as Jamie rightly says, there's a third law that says for every action, there's a, an opposite reaction back to it. So as the air rushes out of the balloon, the balloon rushes away from you and comes towards me. Now, that is literally the only way we can fly a rocket. It's literally the, it's the only way. You can, you, can, you can build a space elevator, but apparently not. It's too difficult, right? You might be able to, you might be able to build a space elevator on it's the tricky. moon, but you can't do it on Earth. It's just out of the question at the moment with the materials that we've got. So you have to use Newton's three laws of motion. You can't climb up, you can't use friction, you've got to use that effect. So you'd think, well, just fill a rocket full of fuel, use all that force to push yourself off the planet. Well, yeah, that would be all well and good, but there's this pesky thing. Stupid Solkovsky was this Russian who was actually very brainy. He was, he's one of these weird people that, that sort of worked on his own and just did loads of stuff. If you ever want to look at a really cool person, Solkovsky's a good one. Quite hard to spell, so you'll have to look it up. But I'm not going to do it. So Solkovsky's rocket equation, and basically that bit of gnarly maths basically says that he noticed that, yeah, you fill a rocket full of fuel, but you need the fuel to carry the fuel. And then so you put some more fuel on to carry the fuel, but then you need a bit more tank to carry the fuel that you're carrying the fuel with. So you say, okay, so you put the tank on and then you go, ah, oh, no, but you now need I need fuel, fuel to carry the tank, the right? The bigger tank, yep. more fuel. And then you think, okay, that's okay. So you fill it with fuel and then think, man, no, but now I need fuel to carry the fuel that's in the tank that's carrying the fuel that's carrying the fuel. Yeah. And this just goes on and on and on. And it's really, really tedious, right? This is what's holding us back. This is why we haven't been to the moon for 50 years, because Apollo was insanely amazing that it managed to overcome that thing. Because imagine you've got this very, very heavy thing on the thing. You've also got to have enough force that actually gets it off the launch pad in the first place. And it's carrying a shed load of fuel. I'm going to show you an illustration of it, which I think is the best illustration of it in a second. But for me, it's the physics that kind of ruin space travel. So have we come up with any new technology? Technology hasn't changed. Have you, can you think of any technology that we've made in the last 50 years that changes it? Anyone? And the gravity? Anti-gravity. <laughs> if only, if only. He's so, got you. Like, I tell got you what, you. yeah, he's got me. Has anyone invented anti-gravity? Because I, I tell you what, if you invented anti-gravity, you, I mean, there's been loads of proposals like you don't carry the fuel, you, you fire like a laser at a rocket and, and push it up that way. So there's things like that, but they've never got off the ground. We've got literally. better computers, but that's not going to help here. We have got right. better computers, but it doesn't solve the rocket equation, right? right? So. Electric propulsion, well this, you go back to the second law, and that's how much thrust do you need to get something off the ground? And that's one of the big problems. You can use electric propulsion in outer space, and that's absolutely brilliant, because that has revolutionized all those stuff that goes around Juno and, and, and stuff like that. In fact, did Juno have electric propulsion? I don't think it did. But Rosetta certainly did, and, and missions like that, where you have to go a very long distance. But that's more, more about economy of fuel, this thing called a specific impulse, but we won't go into that. No. But you need shed loads of thrust. And for Apollo, Werner von Braun, 
he, his solution was to have enormous rocket engines. When you see the F1, it's absolutely enormous. So that's just pumping thrust out, and it's just incredible amount of thrust. The Russians tried a different approach, which was having lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of rocket engines on the bottom, and they never got it to work, but Elon Musk has. So you could say there's one big shift in technology is what Elon Musk has done with multiple rockets on the bottom of, of, uh, rock, uh, on the bottom of your booster. How many rockets on Falcon Heavy? Falcon Heavy is 27. 27 rockets. Yeah, which is still slightly less than the N1. Does anyone know what the N1 was? Kind of, but it's, yeah, that's it. You have to fire every single rocket at exactly the right time. Anything goes wrong and, you, and you've stuffed it up big time, right? Yes. So technology hasn't really changed. We've got reusability, I suppose, another Elon Musk drink, uh, uh, ting. So that's good. The Cold War. Why, why am I bringing up the Cold War? Well, one of the only reasons why America and Russia decided to build moon landing stuff was because they had to beat each other. Space race. In, a spa in the space race, right? America was losing hideously at the space race. First man in space was Russian. First satellite was Russian. Space stations are Russian. And it's like, we are, we are getting absolutely hammered. So the Americans, it's John F. Kennedy, up. that's what that John F. Kennedy speech was at the beginning. It's a political stance to say, we're gonna beat the goddamn Ruskies. <laughs> And it worked. I mean, at the end of the day, the, the, the moon landings going to go into the moon was, was perhaps the most. It was pretty good. It's a, it's a, it was one of the very first nails into communism and the, whatever you think, the Americans beat the Ruskies. You mentioned moon hoaxes earlier, Matt. Yeah. I don't know if any, does anyone actually listen to our podcast? Just a show of hands. <laughs> well, maybe you will after Yes. We have one person <laughs> back. Two, two, three, come on, we're three. Um, so we, uh, a while ago now, maybe even two years, two, two couple years, years ago, couple of years ago, we uh, did a double episode um, where we interviewed a guy called Marcus Allen, who believes that we didn't go to the moon, and that it was uh, it was all a hoax, and uh, that was fun, wasn't it? Well, I'm not selling. So you'll have to go back and, and listen to that one. To be to be fair, I'm not selling it here because it's like you would think yeah. in some ways. Yeah, it really is difficult. This, like, getting to the moon lark is difficult. Is there anyone here who actually doesn't believe we went to the moon? Who, who, would, dare, who would dare say it? Oh, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Don't do the fighty pose. Definitely. We got, we got one. We got, we, I think we got one. We think we got one. But, but yeah, it's the Cold War. I tell you what, actually, the Cold War is a really good one if you want to... If you want to the moon hoax one is kind of debunked by the Cold War straight away because the Russians had the technology to track the Apollo landings, and it's like, well, clearly they attract, they trapped the Apollo landings. They would have been nothing more that they would have liked to have done in the whole world than to go, it's, it's all a lie, but it wasn't. So let's, let's, let's move on. Budgets. We've, we've got one, sorry, we've got a question here. No, it's just a comment, but I believe though, it's, it's not my view, but I have a feeling that if, if the, it wasn't for the space race, we would have many more Hiroshima's on Earth, I think. I think Kennedy was very smart to divert the competition to the space. I yeah, think, well, theory, that's yeah. a nice little. That's that a nice little thing. Do you know? I've not thought about that before, but that's yeah, a that's a cool it was little very point. Smart. Yeah, that. To, that's to, otherwise, we would have <laughs> many more disasters on Earth. Well, thank God for the space race. <laughs> I mean, before we get on to, uh, I mean, Kennedy was a pretty good president, wasn't he, really? 
which might be one of the things that we might get onto in a second. But yeah, budgets. The budget at some point for Apollo reached about 4 or 5% of the American GDP. They were spending an insane amount of money on Apollo. It was just not something that you could sustain. However, I would argue you could sustain it because it gave America mainframe computing, loads of management techniques. There's loads of stuff that got spanned out of the Apollo space mission that it's probably paid for itself hundreds and hundreds of times over. So even though it seems expensive to the taxpayer, in retrospect, it probably wasn't. But that's a kind of another story. But what, what do you do about a budget? NASA's budget at the moment is 0.4% of GDP or 0.46 or something like that. So it's in orders of magnitude smaller. So they've got to get to the moon with one-tenth of the money. But that might be feasible. So That's why they're thinking of making engagement rings out of moon rock now, right? Yeah. <laughs> You've got to pay for it somehow. You've got to pay for it somehow. Well, you joke, but maybe that is... No, it's not a joke. No, no, no. That's Moon okay. Express's idea. Moon Express's idea, me? yeah. Uh, Bob Richards. Bob Richards, yes. Who we, uh, so we, we spent <laughs> ages like trying to get an close. interview for this guy called Bob Richards. Um, and we finally got him. And then we realised when the interview was done, we high-fived each other. It was a great interview. And then we realised it hadn't recorded. <laughs> Luckily, he was lovely and yeah. let us do it again a week later. We did, we did so that. We, got it in the we actually did that with Tim Peake as well. Yeah, that, that one was less good. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes. Um, and I think one of the big ones is boredom as well. The Apollo missions, everyone had actually got bored by the end of it. No one remembers anyone other than Aldrin and Armstrong these days. I mean, I bet... I wonder, hands up who knows the name of the third person that was on the Apollo 11 mission? We got Collins. We got Collins. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's only been 12 moonwalkers and like to name them all is pretty difficult. So the interest just lost, everyone just lost interest. And ever since then, all NASA have talked about is going to Mars and then they've talked about not going to Mars, and then they've talked about going to Mars again, and there's never been like a clear thing to go and do. And plus, when you start to think about going to the moon being difficult, going to Mars is, is it's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah, yeah. I always say, imagine you decided to, to quickly walk across a stream at the bottom of your garden, and you did that, and you wrote, right, I'm ready to swim the Atlantic now. It's, it's about the same sort of difference, I reckon. So this is my, this is my favorite illustration. If you're wondering I'm what this... I'm really proud of this. Yeah, I, I, I didn't do this, by the way. This is like a really cool illustration of, of basically the uh, Newton's laws of motion. So this is how much fuel is being shot out the back of the Apollo missions, the Saturn V. It's so, hundreds and hundreds of elephants. So these are elephants. Does anyone know the amount <laughs> to get us out of our gravity? Anyone know? I'm whispering there. Anyone want to guess how many? I know something different, a uh, small st statistic. Yeah. It's amazing. It's three tons of burning, three tons of fuel per second. Yeah. So, how many elephants would you say that was, sir? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. 763 elephants. Yeah, 763 Good. elephants to get out into low Earth orbit. So, that. Four elephants. And that's it, that's how it works. It's literally, as the elephant gets shot out the back, it moves the Saturn V one elephant up. 
Should we let the second balloon go? Now, be, Matt? Yeah, yeah, actually. Oh, yeah, let's let the second balloon go. So, literally, imagine the mass, it's the mass of the air that's inside that balloon that's going to make the balloon go. And, and the, oh, it's nowhere near as good as the other one. Uh, it's, it's, Do they get hurt? What? Is it okay if they're No, they, as you can see, as you can see, there's quite a lot of blood on the, yeah, there's a lot of blood on that. Yeah, I'm sorry that they all died. Which is one of the reasons why they cancelled Apollo, because there was a lot of calls from animal rights, animal rights people. But I, I, think this, I think this picture of Apollo's also one that I saw recently, the, the Saturn V. Can, it, can you spot the man in the picture? Spot what? Spot the man. Can you see the, can you see the man in the picture? Because once you see him, you go, what the hell? Here, here he is. He's just a little man with his hard hat on. And he's, look at how tiny he is. And then you think, yeah, the astronauts are sitting in this bit. There's a bit, another bit, the service module itself. And then there's all the lunar landing stuff in there. The rest of the rocket, the rest of what you can see, is basically just a tube full of fuel, right? That you're gonna push out the back of your rocket engine as it fast is, as possible. Yeah, it's like an illusion. So, I don't know if I've told you, Matt, when I went to Houston. Yeah, did you tell me about Houston? <laughs> tell me, tell me about Houston. The, Matt hates the fact that I've been to the uh, NASA Houston Space Center. It's amazing. Has anyone been? Pretty so, cool, isn't it? So you've stood next so to you the... you sort of see, you get to see the size of these things. It's yeah. amazing. Standing next to Saturn V and standing next to the F1 engines is like, what the hell? Now, they are just... Plus ridiculous. you get to see the red phone. The red phone? Yeah, the one that they get to pull the president on. Oh, did they get a little... Yeah, there's a red phone with Matt, the NASA logo yeah. in there. It's genius. It's quite cool, isn't it, that you go into space and then the first phone call you have to do is a quick phone call with the, with the president. Yeah, imagine that. But I think we've seen enough elephant deaths. So here we go. Are we going to move on to... Talking that was, presidents. That was, that was Apollo. Trump, I like to call this section, a vision of a genius. It's all right. <laughs> he's kidding. He's kidding. Uh, yeah, it was supposed to be us. He's lady in the trunk. Good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... So Trump's vision is basically a couple of years ago, Trump said, right, we, we got to get the space race back on. And, and Trump, like a lot of people of his ilk, sees space as a way of getting a bit of kudos. If he can get people walking on the moon in his presidency, that's going to go down pretty well, he thinks. Yeah, with the American might forget about the public. horrific things that he's doing every day. However, so they said, right, go back to the moon. And NASA said, yeah, we can do that by 2028. But uh, surprisingly, earlier on this year, Mike Pence, the strange looking man that is Mike Pence, that probably <laughs> might even make a worse president than Trump. Yeah. <laughs> he, he doesn't believe in evolution, does he? No, he doesn't believe in evolution. He yeah. doesn't believe in quite a few things. But he... Um, he sort of said, no, the president has said he wants you to hurry up, no more excuses, you've got to get to the moon by 2024. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I do want a show of hands here. Who thinks that it is possible for mankind to get a couple of people on the moon by 2024 after hearing everything that I've said? Hands up now. We've got two, three, four. Have we got... I, what percentage of the audience we are in that is? That's about 15%, I'd say. 15% of the audience. So you're not convinced. Let's go through, let's go through, the, let's go through the, uh, the uh, program. I suspect that you're not convinced because you're wiser than 
I, I don't know, but how, how much has the message of Artemis has got out to the general public? Probably not much in this country, but I, I, wonder, what, I wonder what it's like in America, whether, whether they've got this message that, yeah, we're going back to the moon, or whether they believe it or not. Mm. So anyway, this is uh, Artemis phase one. So this is everything that needs to happen before 2024. So we're going to have Artemis one itself, which is the first space flight of a couple of systems that have cost the American taxpayer a lot of money. I this mean, is, a this lot is of money. Uncrewed. Uncrewed. Artemis uncrewed. one, no people on board, right? No people on board. So this is going to be the first flight of a massive rocket called SLS, which stands for, and it's a really exciting name, Space Launch System. Right. Now, SLS, really, all said and done, is a really clever way of getting the space shuttle and reordering the parts so it looks different. And it even uses the same engines of the space shuttle that were designed way back in the early 70s. Uh, but the clever design of SLS is that instead of reusing the engines each time, just like the space shuttle does, it dumps them in the sea. Yeah. <laughs> so, SLS, weird rocket. Absolutely massive, costs an absolute fortune. The very first time it flies is when it takes humans to the moon. Uh, so, no, sorry, when it takes Orion. So Orion is a, uh, the, is a capsule just like the Apollo capsule, except quite a bit bigger, right? It's going to take that <coughs> for a little journey around the moon. It's not going to land on the moon, it's just going to test it out in deep space. Deep space is a horrible place, by the way. It's like lots of radiation. It's super cold. It's nice this time of year. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, yeah. Is it because it's like, like Australia? That yeah, 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 okay. So you go out, it's super brutal. So spaceships are just like humans. They don't like being bombarded with radiation and stuff. So it's a, it's a good little test. You don't want to test your humans on that one, first of all. So that's apparently happening next year, right? Which would be awesome. If you want to get yourself a ticket, for a space flight, go and book yourself a ticket for SLS Artemis 1, because that is going to be one humdinger of a launch, right? Should it not be further delayed? <laughs> Should it be not further delayed by another five years? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but one would assume, with the computing power that we've got today, a simulation would be enough. You don't need to test, do you? Ooh. Ooh. I'd say that they probably want to test Do you know it what? I, before I think, they put people up there. I think you're right. Actually, one, one big advance, you, you are right, one big advance in space technology has to be computer simulations and, and, and that, that element of it. However, no, ma no matter how many simulations you do, there's always something you haven't thought of. This brings up the, the second question. All this knowledge from the Apollo program, it is documented, isn't it? It is. But you know, a really interesting thing about the Apollo knowledge is imagine, imagine when they built the Saturn V. Yes, you can have engineering blueprints of Saturn V, but you actually need engineers and, and people that are artisan craftsmen building these things. And it actually, that's an awful lot of skill. So like the skill of just machining the parts of the F1 engines and things like that, that 
has all been lost. All that knowledge has been lost. You have to start from scratch. You can't just go, oh, we'll just build the Saturn V again. You, can't, you, actually, you actually couldn't do it. Even though you got the blueprints, it would be very, very difficult to rebuild Saturn V. But yeah, it's a good point. But the, I think with, with, they have obviously done loads of simulations and they're pretty convinced that the Orion spacecraft is going to go around the moon and, and, and it's going to be fine. You just wouldn't want to do it with humans. Yeah. Plus, yeah, that, could you imagine if they did do a simulation, then the first actual launch was with humans and something went wrong? But they were, they were thinking of it. They were thinking of putting humans on Artemis 1. About two years ago, it went up for, it went to, and they said, yeah, let's have a look into it. And then they went, no, this really is it, ridiculous. Do you know what? John Young flew STS-1, the very first space shuttle, and that's still to this day considered the most maniac of all the space launches. For, for John Young to have flown that, it was just insane. But he did it, he's got, apparently his heartbeat didn't even go up. <laughs> he's just, he, if you want, he is the astronaut's astronaut, John Young. So it, it, but yeah, STS-1, the first space shuttle flight, was so close to catastrophe. There was cracks everywhere. If they'd known about some of the damage on the space shuttle, when they were actually up, they would have aborted the flight. But they, but they didn't know about it until they got it back on the ground and went, oh my God, have you seen this crack in the, and all that kind of Let's stuff. Talk about so. the heartbeat. Has anyone seen the film Free Solo? About the climber. So he climbed El Capitan in Yosemite in the States without a rope. Completely without a rope. And they said that he, they gave him a CAT scan. And a scientist was saying that the things that would, would excite you and me just don't excite this guy. And he just, he's, not, he's not bothered by it. So yeah, his, his heart rate stayed pretty, pretty okay. And that, well, I, and obviously that's one of the things that kind of gets most people out of the astronaut. Obviously, Jamie and I are fully fledged astronauts, so we have that skill. Thanks for the suits. Thank you. <laughs> so, so yeah, we've got this first test. Then we do have a second test with Artemis going around. Uh, Artemis two, sending off an Orion. 2023, they reckon that's going to be, 2022, 2023, and that's going to be with humans on board around the moon. Then a whole bunch of stuff to build what is known as the, probably the most contentious part of Artemis is the lunar gateway. The lunar gateway is this idea of having a space station around the moon. So they haven't even built this yet, yet where it somehow has to be built and three human flights before 2024. So 2024 culminates in Artemis 3, where people fly out to the gateway and descend down to the moon. And it's going to be the first woman and the first man, well, first woman to next. ever step on the moon and the first man since 1972. Artemis II will be the first humans that have left low Earth orbit since 1972. So you think about that, it's, it, whoever gets picked for that Artemis II mission, that's going to be crazy. So that's Artemis I. It's a complicated thing. Send out the Orion space probe. In Europe, actually, we should be pretty proud of ourselves because a major component of the Orion spacecraft is a European uh, service module uh, which is a bit of a coup for, the, for ESA. They, uh, they built that. Um, it's really annoyed people like Lockheed who never got a, a look in. But that was 
part of the whole idea was to involve the international community in, in helping out. These things are so expensive, you need everyone involved. But NASA are kind of going <laughs> a little bit alone with Artemis 1, uh, which is a right, bit of a kind of trouble. Those about Lockheed, who are Lockheed? So Lockheed are one of the big, enormous American military contractors, as are Boeing, and there's a few others. We've got McDonald's. Why did you do that when you said Boeing? Lockheed, but then... Well, Bo Boeing... <laughs> I don't know. Lockheed don't make passenger jets, do they? Not now. They're not used to them. Oh, they really? Yeah. They're just, they're just, they're just, they're they're don't. You know, they're different things. <laughs> yeah, they, they make, yeah, they make nice fighter jets, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thomas <laughs> Cook. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and stealth bombers and things like that. But, yeah, so there's a, the, these companies are huge, 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 huge companies. Whereas, yeah, the Europeans are building yeah, a big chunk of this. contract to get, wouldn't it? Yeah. Weirdly, the, the, the actual European bit is based on the, the resupply, the European resupply craft that used to supply the International Space Station. So Europe spent a whole heap of money creating the ATV, which uh, used to visit the International Space Station with loads of store, you know, new spacesuits and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Artemis II, this is the one. This will be a good one, really. I guess humans going around the moon. And I suppose at this point, if this really, if this one has stuck to 2022 or 2023, we might actually see someone get to the moon in the next five years, which I think is, should be pretty exciting. So if this one's happening, we should be pretty excited. However, in the meantime, in the, in the meantime, we've got this dude, Elon Musk, who's True. out in the desert building things like this. And it looks, it looks totally ridiculous. But the thing about Elon Musk is he said he's going to build stuff and he has built stuff and it's kind of worked. So this one, he's got the backing of a Japanese guy to do, what's it called? Dream Moon? Hashtag? Yeah, Deer Moon. Deer Moon. Deer Hashtag moon. Deer Moon. Anyone hands up who knows about Deer Moon projects? No? So this was big news about a year and a half ago. Yeah. And it was... A Japanese mega, mega businessman basically has rocked up to Musk and said, yeah, I'll take a starship around the moon in 2023. So that's the reason why I put that next to that one, is apparently we're going to be seeing a Japanese businessman and a bunch of artists, yeah, different artists yeah. floating around in a starship going around the moon, copying essentially Artemis II. So there's a little bit of a commercial NASA space race going on. So that might be one of the things that spurs it on. So actually, we, we haven't got all our eggs in one basket when it comes to visiting the moon. This guy and a few other space billionaires, you have Jeff Bezos's and your Richard Branson's, although I don't think Richard Branson's quite in the moon business. But you never know, he might suddenly pop up with a lunar lander. And then Artemis three. this is a, this is, Unusual mission compared to Apollo. What makes it different? Jamie, do you know what this makes this one tell different? Me, Matt. Okay. Do you want me to tell you or are you going to tell me? No, you go. Okay. Go on, you go. So we've got, we've got this thing called the Lunar Gateway. And this is in, the, see the red orbit around the moon? It's in this bizarre polar orbit around the moon. But the good thing about that is it means that when Orion docks with it, it can go to anywhere on the moon. It's very, very hard to go to the poles of the moon otherwise. It's quite easy to come off the Earth's equator 
and then hit the moon's equator and land somewhere on the equator. So actually, the Apollo missions had only a very, very narrow landing win window on the moon where they could go. Artemis is going to try to do something else because why do we want to go to the poles of the moon, Jamie? To see the Aurora Borealis, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jamie. <laughs> no, it's because there might be... What's, what's, the, what's the coolest thing in the universe? Ice cool. Ice cool. It is ice cool. Water. There might be water at the poles on the moon. Gas station of the solar system. And then you've got yourself a gas station and in situ resources, right? And in situ resources is kind of the next step in space uh, exploration. So Matt, what you're saying is you can break the water down into hydrogen and oxygen and make rocket fuel. And make rocket fuel. And drink it. What? <laughs> right. So, yeah, you can make things like alcohol. Yeah, could you make beer on the moon? Don't see why not. Don't see why not. So, pops up now. So you've, got, so you've actually got this opportunity now to go to, the, to the, the South Pole. In the meantime, actually, we should have pointed out in the meantime, there's other little things that have been going on, on during Artemis, between Artemis 1 and Artemis 3, and that's people going back to the moon, commercial providers dropping things like little rovers off and little scientific experiments. Scientific experiments. Yeah. And they're all, going to the, they're all going to the poles to see how easy it is to get to this water. If you can get to this water and you can start practicing this ISRU, in situ resource utilization, if you can practice that, then maybe you've got a chance of getting to, the, to Mars and surviving it. But if Has you can't- seen the film Moon by Duncan Jones? It's a great film. If you haven't seen it, it's yeah. good, isn't it? Yeah, I love Moon. Yeah, yeah. Good soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Moon's a good film. He's, this is Jamie's job to try and like, throw me off my stride. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> As you were, man. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so yeah, this, and this is it. They're gonna fly off on a, an Orion capsule, dock with the Lunar Gateway. At the Lunar Gateway, there should be this descending vehicle that descends down into a lower orbit um, around the moon. And from that lower orbit, you've got another vehicle that then comes off that, drops down to the moon. You have your first man and woman step onto the moon, stay there for six or seven days, apparently, for the first one, or maybe longer, actually. And then they fly off on yet another vehicle that flies back up to meet the gateway, and then they get back in their Orion capsule that are docked at the gateway and go home. Job done, easy. Job done, you say it's job done. I, I, there's something about that, that sounds in incredibly complicated. But I suppose there would be many more missions in order to build yeah, the I'm, gateway. Here we go. I'm gonna do exactly that. So, the, that. so these are the things that are gonna land yeah. in the meantime. But uh, let's, get, let's get past the gateway. There is, there is like a big, there we go. That's all the stuff that's happening between now and 2024. So you've got these, you've got the major ones, but down there, yes, there's little, little bits that are arriving. So if you can see in 2024, you've got these three commercial launches that are launching, yeah, the vehicle that, that takes them down into a lower orbit, the vehicle that takes them down to the moon's surface and the vehicle that takes them back up again, right? So all those three vehicles are gonna be arriving at the gateway apparently via commercial providers. So that almost, the, there's only two rockets capable of doing it at the moment and that's uh, the Delta IV Heavy and the Falcon Heavy. 
and you've possibly got Jeff Bezos who's been frantically selling his shares of Amazon to build himself an enormous rocket. So that one might be available as well. So who knows? It's bizarre. There's a guy spending, there's literally... That just shows you how much money Amazon has. Yeah. There's a, yeah, literally, Jeff Bezos is the ultimate Bond villain. He's literally yeah. in a lair somewhere, and he's been doing it for years, right. selling off all his money. It's a white cat. And he's bald as well. He's, he's yeah, totally... Is that what you need? Yeah, you need to be bald. Okay. Bald cat. Cat. Swivel chair. Massive business. Sharks with a... A bit yeah. weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, sharks with lasers. <laughs> So yeah, that's all the kind of stuff that's, that, that's going. There's a, lot, there's a lot of stuff going to the moon. A lot of things have to come together for 2024 to happen, right? Still, it's quite funny. The NASA administration are a lot happier with 2028, but the American administration are the people saying, no, it has to be done by 2024. And then they're not even the people that sign the checks. So you've, you've even got, uh, I'm not an American politician expert by any stretch of imagination, but I know that it's Congress that signs the checks. They're not massive fans of this, apart from the odd congressman who, uh, who happens to have his state where the SLS is built. So you have people that are literally going, yeah, yeah, this is a really great idea because this thing brings their state like two billion pounds worth of business each yeah. year. Nice job. So there's, there's a couple of house committees that have already put a few butts. Yeah. By a couple of months already. So yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, which you can see just coming down the line month after month of, of, of a kind of, nah, you're going to have to go back and do this. Which is, there's, there's a kind of safety element. Do you really want to push all those? If you think about the, 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 the vehicle that takes you down into, into low lunar orbit, the vehicle that takes them down to the moon surface, and the vehicle that takes them back up to the, to the gateway. It's the first time they've ever been used. So we were going back to like this thing of, yeah, they've got to work, but it's the first time they're ever going to be used is on this 2024 mission. So there's a, there's a little bit of me that feels quite queasy that all of those things have got to work for your first man and woman to survive. You know, this is, it ain't, you, you, one mistake out there and it's game over, right? It's, you know. Well, though, you felt queasy just on the VR. I did felt queasy yeah. just trying to is catch up. Who's done the VR exercise? You haven't done it. A few <laughs> people who have done it. It's, it might be the best thing I've ever done, genuinely. So make sure you go and see these guys who work here. By the way, thank you so much for letting us do this. Yeah. Round of applause for the yeah. Space yeah. Thought. Yeah, so behind here, what's it called? Experience Zone. You can try on these, look like us. You don't and, have to look uh, like us. Well, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and try various different VR experiences. It's wicked. The, the best thing to do, by the way, if you do the Soyuz one, where you, where you lift off on a Soyuz and go into <coughs> space, wear this, wear the exact same clothes that they're wearing, and then mimic the movement, and then you actually genuinely yeah. feel you're there, man. Yeah, I've, I've, you there. I actually thought I'd been... emotional, yeah. I did, I did. I, got... I haven't seen you fill up before. You really were going. Yeah. <laughs> filled, up, I filled up my space suit. Luckily, <laughs> these, things have, got, luckily, these things have got a nappy in, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's, we've got quite a lot going on. So we've got all those different missions. We've got new space suits. So these were, these were revealed the other day. Nice new spacesuits. The weird, I, there's something I've learned about spacesuits over the last year or so is the ones, 
Did anyone see the, uh, the mishap where they wanted to have the first all-female spacewalk? And then as they were about to do it, they went, oh, no, we haven't quite got the right sizes up on the space station. You think, oh, well, next time they fly up, they can take the right size up. But it's just, when you, when you hear why that is, it's because the spacesuits were designed in the 70s. Half of them were built at the end of the 70s. They only built like 12 of them, of which only eight now work. And they're the ones that everyone uses. So when you see Tim Peake out on, or any of the other astronauts, they are wearing these same spacesuits that were made ages ago. And of course, back in the early 70s and 60s when they were designed, they were thinking that all astronauts were men. So it's, it, there probably was a legacy of sexism that was in there. So these new spacesuits, they're a little bit more flexible in terms of the way that you can uh, get different sized people in them. Uh, they are specifically for moonwalking as well. So they have like a beveled edge in the middle so you can actually shift around in them. When you saw the moonwalkers before, they're doing that kind of horrible walking. They don't need to do that in these spacesuits. You can actually sort of kind of properly walk and you can bend down and pick stuff up a lot easier. So these spacesuits, it's a bit weird because really they look very similar to the old spacesuits. Not, not much has changed since Apollo. Again, it's, it's like incremental advances. There's nothing, there's nothing super amazing about either of these spacesuits. They're kind of very similar to the ones that have been around for 50 years, really. There's nothing super new about them, but they are pretty cool. They are pretty cool spacesuits. But material technology has progressed significantly since... Well, well, weirdly, a lot of the material technology, that the progression of that material technology was from the Apollo missions. Really? Like things like Kevlar and all those kind of elements that go in the spacesuits were from designing spacesuits. So actually, I'm not sure that there's been too much improvement in those. Yeah, I mean, incremental ones. Obviously, I think things like graphene, if you could, you could have fabric graphene, you'd be laughing, but we're not there yet. But maybe, maybe soon. Maybe there'll be a quantum leap in some form of technology that allows us better to do nappies. Bet There's better nappies. <laughs> better nappies. But they, amazingly, they still wear nappies. It's, it's pretty grim. In fact, that's actually, I don't want to go into too many details. That's one of the problems about female astronauts, actually. It's, it's, it's harder to do that element of it. It's not a problem, it's a challenge, man. It's a challenge. It's not, yeah. Yes. Plus, if you get to try these on, in the space store, Steve at the back, or I don't, I'm sure one of your colleagues, tell you all of the facts that we didn't know about half of these things, did we? Yeah, no. Thank you. Thanks. So, yeah. Uh, re pressure, releasing pressure. Oxygen. Uh, electrics. What have I missed? Uh, helmet. <laughs> don't forget your helmet. Good. So yeah, spacesuits. There's two different types of spacesuits, by the way. We're wearing a type of spacesuit that you couldn't go outside of a spaceship in. These are for inside your space. They're pressure suits, really. They're based on the same things that fighter pilots used to wear and still do. So they're for inside the spacecraft, just in case the spacecraft loses pressure, right? Um, whereas the full-on spacesuit, your EVA, your extravehicular activity, nice yeah, thanks, uh, suit, is for going outside of your spaceship. In fact, it kind of is a spaceship in itself. So you, you have got your own tiny little spaceship that you're in. Hence, they're insanely expensive, yeah. like just stupidly expensive. We both agree, I think, that we prefer the orange ones. No offence to the space store. But I think that's because of Luke Skywalker, isn't it? Yeah. When did he wear the orange suit? 1977? Here we go. What is piloting the X-Wing. And that is in the original Star Wars, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. There you go. They probably 
Yeah, they do look cool. But why orange, Jamie? Why orange? I actually don't know that. Tell me. Does anyone? It's a pilot suit. Yeah, but why orange? Okay, so if you look at most of the inspiration, most of the inspiration is from like fighter pilot suits at the time, right? Yeah. Right. What does that look like if anybody knows what they went up in uh, you to uh, Spike or uh, SR-71? It's, it's, it's exactly the same suit. But they're orange, so if you have to bail out, because you could be, you could be bailing out anywhere, if you, if you bail out, at least people can see you on the ground in the snow and, and, out in the, and out in the thing. So the, the, orange, is, the orange is so you can be spotted in the, in the boats. You don't think so? Yeah, well, well, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, you don't want to hide your astronauts in a forest because, yeah, yeah, if you're, if you're in the military, you definitely want to be inconspicuous, to say the least, yeah. So just a quick one about SLS. This is what I was saying about it being the space shuttle. If you remember the big orange, like, tank of the space shuttle, it's become slightly elongated. You've still got the space shuttle's boosters either side, they're a little bit better. Uh, and the engines on the bottom of SLS are exactly the same ones that were on the bottom of the space shuttle as well. So it's not particularly different. Tried and tested. It's tried and tested, yeah, I mean, I mean that is it. I mean, the only good thing is it's, it's pretty tried and tested technologies, which is one of the reasons why they were thinking of putting people on it for the very first flight. So it should be a reliable launch vehicle, but then that's what they said about the space shuttle and that ended quite badly a couple of times. So NASA take, ever since those two shuttle disasters, NASA's taken space safety a hell of a lot more seriously. How, how does the Saturn V compare to the size? It, it's about the same size. So you put them next to each other, about the same size. Saturn V is actually more powerful than most of those versions that you can see. It's only when you get to these Block Two versions that, that those ones are actually more powerful the than the Saturn V. Compared to his insane. Well, no, the, well, uh, yeah, the Falcon Heavy is nothing compared yeah. to, 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 to those as well. It's like the, it's a, it's, they're in a kind of different league by the time you get to the, to the Block Two version of it. Um, yeah, you can lift a hell of a lot of stuff up into. And, uh, and the type of fuel is the same. It's, uh, not, nothing has changed in the... Uh, yeah, yeah, well, that, 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 yeah, I mean, the whole of space history has been like littered with trying to find different types of propellant. Yeah. And they've all got their sort of uh, ups and downs, what's good and what's bad. Mm. There's things like if you've got... The, the most common one is liquid oxygen and liquid hydrogen, LOX fuel. And, and you just mix the two together, <coughs> bang, you get byproduct of water. It's a really, really good, efficient fuel. However, they don't crush down particularly well, so you get bigger tanks. So, some, so you use RP1, which is a type of kerosene, is that right? And, and that means you can have a slightly smaller tank. So sometimes the first stage of those big rockets like, uh, have, a, have a slightly different mix of, of ignition materials. But we learned a bit about propane, didn't we, Matt, last yeah. year? So, yeah, so there's a British launch company that are trying to use camping gas or propane <laughs> to get into... into because that's what's available. That's what we thought. Well, gas. You know, <laughs> well it's, it's because of its physical properties. You can, you can kind of keep it, in the, you can keep it in, in the same tank as your oxidizer. It's greener. It's greener. And then uh, Elon Musk, of course, is going into methane. <coughs> now, methane, because it's such a smaller carbon 
atom, it doesn't, it doesn't coke up your engine. So if, you're, if you've got a lot of reusable flights where you want to keep using the same rocket engine over and over and over again, you want a propellant that doesn't coke your stuff up. So he's moved to methane. It's got a slightly smaller specific impulse, it's, it's efficiency, but you gain by the fact that you can keep using it over and over again. And he's keeping another eye on the fact that on Mars, you can make methane reasonably easily using the Sabatier process. Good. So yeah, thanks. He also wants to, does he still want to nuke Mars? He still wants to nuke Mars, yeah, yeah. 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 Although it would make absolutely no difference whatsoever. Yeah. There was some kind of, you know that that hurricane that hit America quite recently, even that's like something like, the energy in that hurricane is something like 100,000 times more than all the nuclear bombs put together, right. which is ridiculous. So yes, it won't make any difference. Uh, that's SLS. That's Orion with the European module behind. Orion so is the is little capture on the bit. People you can up to, do you know what? I was trying I to find this four. out. Four seems a disappointingly small number, right? Nice, but yeah, four people, I think. That's how many people will travel to the gateway. Four will travel to the gateway, and only two will go down to the surface of the moon. And one of the other reasons why you've got a gateway as well, so you can practice being in space for absolutely ages. On your way to Mars, you have to stay in space for six to eight months. So you're going to be out there for a long time. So that's another reason to have the gateway. But it does make everything way more complicated and way more expensive. So it's probably the most hated bit of this Artemis program, if I'm honest. So recently we had uh, NASA... Uh, announced this little fella called Viper. Tell you a joke, Matt, that you told me. Oh, earlier. yeah. Why did the Viper Viper nose? Because the Adder Adder handkerchief. <laughs> oh, that was bad. Sorry. <laughs> my dad it went used down to... worse than I thought. Yeah, my dad used to tell me that and used to think it was very funny. He didn't even get a snigger. I know. I just... All I just got was, what a. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, that's the that's the that's the Viper rover. So that's one that's going to be out looking for ice, uh, and that's uh, and NASA announced that quite recently. That's one of these things called CLIPS, which is the commercial lunar program, where they're going to be landing lots of different uh, rovers and things, and everyone can get involved in that. You could even get involved in it yourself, put a proposal forward, and that's the and that's the whole thing. That is Artemis. So, uh, Jamie, what do you think? What do you think? Do you think we're going back to the moon in 2024? I don't think it's going to be 2024. I'm saying 2026. 2026? Yeah, a couple of years. Back. Anyone wants to go earlier than 2026? Com you Commercially or institutionally? Boots on the ground. No, boots on the ground. Boots on the ground. Commercially or Com institutionally? Okay, commercially. So you think commercial's going to be... <laughs> yeah. China, China are also trying to get people on the moon. You know, they'd, they'd like to be here. They've got some money. Yeah, well, even India have a human space program. But that's a very important uh, topic. What are the commercial incentives of being Told engaged? You. Engagement rings made out of moon rock. <laughs> yeah. Moon Express, they said that's part of their going to be there. I don't believe that. Taking your dad's ashes to be spread on the moon. No, 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 I'm not even joking. No, that, Jamie I'm, isn't I'm joking. Sure. That, I'm, I'm <laughs> genuinely not lying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you listen to the interplanetary podcast. Yeah, I, I suppose 
I suppose, uh, I don't know your name, but you know, yeah. he, uh, you're right. It's, it's, uh, I think it's more <coughs> probable that the delay would be down to negotiations that are going on rather than technology or money. <laughs> Yeah, no, you, you, for a commercial people to go to the moon, there has to be something that you can turn into money, right? There's the, and it's, a, as we've said, it's really expensive. Yeah. yeah, that is really ah. a part of what yeah. they're not just going to the moon to make engagement rings. But seriously, that's a, part of what they want to do. We could yeah. do a whole podcast about the legislation. About that or is uh, just the... About, about the legislation element. Yeah, about the, yeah, yeah. the negotiations that are going on and yeah, yeah. the real commercial incentives. We, we could do a, a thousand podcasts on the... On the, on the kind of negotiations. I mean, there's the Outer Space Treaty and how that is affecting um, how we try and go out into the solar system. No one's going to go to the moon to start mining something if someone can just like park right next to you and mine it as well. Exactly. So, so that, that so a bit of the Outer Space Treaty has to change or at least be completely flouted by someone. I can't help feeling that Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos would, won't, wouldn't give a shit about the, about the Outer Space Treaty. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could consider what NASA and Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos doing is what the people that built the railroad roads did back in the frontier. In, in, yeah, in frontier America. It's like, what was it in, what was it? There was nothing in it for them other than to be the people that built the infrastructure. And you have to wait a long time before you get that money back. So, like, it is normally government funding that builds things like HS2 and stuff like that. You can't just... It's no commercial person that's going to go into that. So, but, yeah, what is there? What is there on the moon? Well, one of the reasons why we haven't been in a rush to go back to the moon is, is commercial. There's not much that you can mine on the moon. However, it's going to be a different story when it's things like asteroids and, and, uh, and Mars, maybe. I mean, asteroids is an interesting one. When the, when the Earth formed, all the heavy metals fell down into the core of the Earth, and we've got maybe the odd bit of platinum here and there where, where we've been struck by asteroids. But on asteroids, it's a completely different thing. The gravity hasn't sucked it all down, so there's literally gold and platinum on the surface just knocking about. So you can see a commercial kind of see a commercial case for going out to asteroids and mining it. But you need to learn all this stuff on the moon. You need to learn all this stuff in the moon. Is ha is what I, I think going back to the moon makes sense. I th but in fact, show of hands, who wants to go back to the moon? Or who, who I'm going to do a question. Mo moon or Mars, right? Who wants to go straight to Mars? Or who wants to go to the moon first and practice all the stuff? So first of all, who wants to go to the moon? Hands up. Wow. Who wants to go straight for Mars? Who wants to do a Bobby Z? <laughs> nice. A Bobby Z. Yeah. What what what's your reasoning for wanting to go straight to straight to Mars? Because I'm old. Because you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. You've seen the moon. <laughs> that's a that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, one way mission to Mars is 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 feasible. I think, but. Would you be up for a one-way mission to Mars? Yeah. Is, are, you, are you his wife? What do you think about his one-way mission to Mars? You like, like the idea? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. That's it then, you're up. Pack your things. <laughs> but, but, your bags. but there's another reason for that. Usually entrepreneurs do the big step and then leave the rest to the, 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 all the, the, the smaller problems 
to the rest of the people to deal with them. And then they move ahead as well. So moving straight to Mars may force the intermediate steps anyway. But we have already done, I suppose, one. We've already been. Already, no, those, those we've steps already, have already been done. Yeah, we've already been to the moon. It is a bit of a weird could one, launch to go straight to Mars, and then another government could beat them and go to the moon. Because it takes how long to get to Mars, Matt? Yeah, eight months, and if you're lucky. How long to get to the moon? A couple of days. There you go. Just saying. China might votes, beat you. Other than voting going to the moon, it doesn't seem to be you get voting for. How many votes is Trump going to get? For yeah, I, yeah. Well, this is this is the thing. It this is the most fragile space program ever, and I think you're absolutely right. It all comes down to votes. If Trump gets in again, second term, <laughs> show of hands. Who thinks Trump's getting in again? <laughs> you do. And are you the only Ameri Any other Americans here? I, I must admit, I think he's going to get in again. Who wants him to get in again? <laughs> yeah. That's if it doesn't get impeached in the first place. Yeah, that's true. I think trying to impeach him might be the thing that gets him back in. Seems impossible. Yeah, this is. Still there's, hope. there's still hope. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. So this is fragile. This is fragile. If if you have another administration come in, it's no longer their plan, and then it's back to the drawing board. And this is kind of really what's happened to NASA for the last fifty years. We should have made that more a political point. It's. It's never really had a stable space plan ever since the space shuttle that kind of went a bit awry and it's, it's like, yeah, this didn't turn out how we thought it was going to turn out and it's been wandering around like a sort of dazed old man. It's true. Were you mentioning asteroids earlier? So we, we interviewed a guy, can you remember the guy from Scotland from the mm -hmm. asteroid mining company? Um, plans to go and mine asteroids in the future and he was talking to us about how is that there's all these asteroids in our asteroid belt that, are, that have the billions of billions of pounds worth of metal. Oh, it's not even. It's not billions. It's not even trillions. It's septillions. Isn't septillions, it? yeah, which yeah. is how, how many billions is that? Uh, it's, a, it's like billions of billions. Mathematicians. <laughs> <laughs> this belt is beyond Mars, or in, or, or in between us and Mars. It's in between us. Between Mars and Jupiter. Yeah, yeah. But not much beyond, but it is beyond. But we were excited about when they were talking about the figures until Matt told me how much it might actually cost to go and mine them. Yeah. Probably cost a bad <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, if you go, I mean, it's, it's ludicrous. Quite a lot. It, it's, it's so hard to go out to an asteroid and mine it and bring it back again. But people are thinking about it. You know, there are, there are a really interesting company to look at is a company called Made in Space. And Made in Space have actually started to manufacture things in space. They have a little tiny 3D printer up on the space station that prints fiber optic cable. And the fiber optic cable, because it's in zero G, is this really amazing Z-plan fiber optic cable. And it means that it, it's like super, super efficient fiber optic cable. So again? What happens in zero G? Look at orbit, they're trying to do stuff in orbit. Really print, like parts in orbit. That's a whole different ball game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like no atmosphere is very, very different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, 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 this, the space. But it's interesting. Companies are starting to think about manufacturing in space. I think that. I think that's that's all that's that's all that you can really say about it at the moment. It's it's like if if they're trying it, and and they're getting some results. They've they've made a commercial. In fact, it is. 
Do you know if the, if the Made in Space is the first commercial product in space that they've actually made in space and sold it commercially on Earth? Probably. I, I think it is. So it's kind of started. And like, if you look at any technology, once it starts, it starts to, to roll out and, and become, a, become a thing. But whether the moon's part of that, I don't know. I don't know whether the, the, anyone's ever going to go to the moon and turn it into a sort of viable business. I think it's, it's, it may be turned into a, like you said, a gas station. Yeah. Might be turned into a gas station where you can go build massive infrastructure and then head out into the solar system. It's back to that thing. The moon is so much smaller on the Earth, it's much, much easier to get off. You just need one poxy rocket engine to get yourself back off the moon. It's what Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin... It's the, the riskiest part of Apollo was precisely that. The riskiest part of Apollo was, the, um, was that final coming off the moon because you've only got one rocket engine. If that didn't fire, you're stuffed, basically. And, and the president had a prepared speech for if yeah, that happened. If you ever read that, you can see it online. It's the speech that the president wrote in case there was deaths or it went wrong or the rocket blew up. Already pre-written out, yeah. ready for him to read. If, the, if they had to leave Armstrong and and Buzz on, on the on the moon, and they could it's get... it's heartbreaking. It's one. Of, it's really it, it, if you all, you do choke up reading it. It's so worth reading. Matt asked me to for one episode uh, come up with some interesting facts about the Apollo missions, and one of them was that the astronauts realised that they couldn't, of course, get life insurance because <laughs> what insurance company is going to be crazy enough to say, yeah, I'll cover you. Um, so what they did was they got the, uh, the wives of the astronauts, got them all these different things to sign just in case they, they died up there and that they could, they could sell these items. And that was what they had to cling on to a bit of money. Yeah, Quite interesting. Space is dangerous. Is it, it is. about 50% chance of survival? Yeah, well, that's what Michael Collins says in his book, that when he dropped Neil and Buzz off at the moon, he, in his head, that's, that was the number he was playing with, 50% chance that he'd see his friends again. So brave. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean yeah, that's crazy, isn't it, really? And it's only because you have Armstrong, who's one of the best, most level-headed fighter pilots of all time, flying it down onto the ground. He'd already proved he could cope with like three different emergencies of epic proportions and survive them. But we've been, and, lucky, and he did. We've he, been lucky enough to interview about a dozen astronauts since we've been doing the podcast over the last, what, two or three years? And um, we, we started to ask a few of them if they were, how, you know, how scared were they? And none of them said that they, because they, the training is so intense that anything that goes wrong, they know what to do and that they have to be calm. And of course, it's easy to say to someone before they've ever gone up. But most of them said, well, you know, I'm, I wasn't scared. You know, we, 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 we trained within an inch of our lives, you know, every little step for, 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 for years. You know. Well, you're so, taught not to be scared because being scared yeah. is counterproductive yeah. to a dangerous situation, right? So That'd be pretty interesting. Yeah, well, that's... We also yeah. always ask them what, what food they miss. We asked, who was the first person? It was Al Warden, wasn't it? Yeah, Al Warden. Yeah. First person we Apo asked. Apollo astronaut yeah. Al Warden. What, what, what food did he miss? He said vodka and spaghetti. <laughs> that was the two things. Yeah, vodka and spaghetti. Furthest apart from human. Both of them sources of energy. Yeah, back to <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. A little bit more than the dried ice cream. Yeah, the Russians used to take up vodka quite a bit because the, the yeah, uh, physician the said it would really help them, help their vitality. This thing's a lot more going to Mars then, won't it? Uh, I, 
the Mars, uh, the Mars thing, I think with Mars, I think the biggest barrier is, psycho is psychology. I, I, I think we're not even close to, to working Matt, out. Explain what, what... the uh, Mars event we went to many moons ago. Oh yeah, we, we, we did a Mars event and it was like looking at all the different things that you could, what were the problems of getting to Mars and how would you solve them? So it was like a yeah. brainstorming session. It was um, mental health, um, the journey of, of going to Mars and the mental health aspects and what would help what would help you for eight months living in a tin can? And uh, there was lots of things that came up. What, well, what, v yeah. VR was a big one. VR so like, if, you, if like, you try doing the VR stuff and you think, actually it is fooling my brain emotionally, but I wonder how, I wonder on a six month journey if it carries on fooling your brain. And we just don't know the answer to the questions and things like that, so. Because Tim Peake did a marathon on the space station and they, they said to him, where do you want to run? And he said, the Highlands, Scottish Highlands. And so they did a video of 26.3 miles or whatever it is, and that's where he ran. And so he said that that was such a big thing for him. You know, obviously it's speaking to the family. Weather is another one that was in, was it in Interstellar. Yeah, it's Where the guy smelling. is upset and then the person puts the headphones on him and it's just rain, sounds of rain. And just that experience of smells and weather. Quite interesting. Any other, other ideas about how to cope with mental health when you go to space? There's no right answer, I'm just curious. Living room at home. VR, your own living room, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. How, do you, how do you cope with conversations with loved ones when they're delayed by eight minutes and 16 minutes? And then you can't do it at all because the sun's in the way. Perhaps if you take your partner with you, that Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I was thinking about the first men and women, on the first man and woman on the moon. They should send a couple so they can be the first people to do it on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> if I brought the, the whole I show I thought you weren't going to want to speak about this. <laughs> so, we were talking about if you were conceived on the moon, what, you know, would you be allowed into Europe? <laughs> post post <laughs> Brexit. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because of the Lord yeah. Sea, so you Which colour passport the, would you have, that kind of thing? So the ISS would have, the ISS actually has Russian, American, and European legislation all at once. There's actually one point where it's neither, but it's basically international waters. Here we go. So, oh, so it's the law of the vessel. Oh. So if the vessel is registered in, say, the UK. So we need an Irish vessel. <laughs> and then I can travel freely for it. Okay, yeah. Anyway, let's not talk about Brexit. <laughs> I brought it up, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that'd be annoying if you were born in the European bit and then couldn't yeah. get back into Britain. <laughs> it would suck. Not in this oh, no, but, actually, but saying that, so that's an interesting one. The European bit's built by the European Space Agency, and the European Space Agency isn't a European body. Ooh. Where's it registered? So, yeah, where's it registered? Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> so, so, so just are spacecraft registered in a country, uh, then? Then you're looking at... Uh, oh, this is interesting. You're looking at the country of... The launch origin, the, the rocket registration, the, the, there's different levels to this. So if you launch a rocket from, say, the French Guyana, it's the, the sovereign country would be France's responsibility to make sure that it doesn't uh, mess up on top of any other country, but then you also have the company, because the company, if it was an American company launching from the French Guyana, you would also have an American responsibility for the, and so on and so forth. It's all about registrations on. What? How do you know this? 
Do you work in the industry or are you just a hobbyist? I work in the industry. There we go. I found, found, out. found ourselves. <laughs> we found ourselves a co-host. <laughs> so, do you mind us asking who you work for? Oxford's uh, business. She's the CEO. Ah, CEO of Oxford. And you wanted to go to Mars direct. Ah, that's that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. That's great. Nice. Yeah. That's interesting, though. Yeah, Columbus is the is the European module on the space station, right? So that's built in Italy. So it, it, it's built in Italy. It would probably have the type of registrations that would be Italy, therefore Europe's. And, but then, it, but it's launched in Cape from Cape Canaveral, probably. Yeah, it's launched in Cape Canaveral, and the US would have uh, a certain implication of flights. <laughs> so it's very complex to unpack. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, but I suppose let's not worry about it. No one's going to give birth anytime soon in space. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, has anyone got any questions? <coughs> we can do a Q and A. Carry on this Q and A. Yeah, big time. Any questions? Well, the tiny question I've got is: you mentioned uh, about the Apollo, the Apollo, uh, the Apollo program. The, about Kennedy having having prepared a speech in case everything went wrong. I think that there was backup fuel of this lunar module. Uh, module. No, there's nothing you can do if the. And it, it was Nixon actually, I think, that wrote the speech because uh, Kennedy Nixon, had been right, assassinated. Right, sorry, but the. Um, no, it's it's all to do with the firing of the rocket engine itself. You could have all the fuel in the world, but if the rocket engine don't fire, that's it. It's 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 game over. It's like an unfixable problem. So and and it's, it, you know it's a very reliable system but not 100% perfect by any stretch of imagination. It really was one of the most kind of deadly things. They had a similar thing on Apollo 8, where there was one rocket burn that had to happen when they were going around the moon to get them back to Earth. And if that doesn't happen, you just go flying out into deep space and it's game over. <laughs> so it, there's been quite a few of those moments where it's like, yep, we, this is it. Oh, thank goodness for that. So yeah, it doesn't matter that you've got that extra fuel uh, Armstrong had that extra fuel as he's going down trying to find somewhere to land. I mean, that, that, is, that is ice cool right there. You're going down to land on the moon for the first time, and it, you go, oh my God, it's completely covered in rocks. You know, it's just crazy covered in rocks, and you think, I, I just don't know where to land. But he just stays calm. To be fair, I'm, I'm amazed that Buzz Aldrin stays calm. Imagine being the backseat driver on that one. <laughs> you go, where, where, where are you going to touch that? We should get out of here. But yeah, they're both cool as, you know, they must have trusted each other absolutely implicitly to go, yeah, fine. I know that Armstrong's. He only got angry when he came home and people said, you didn't go to the moon. And he knocks them out. Have you all seen that video? <laughs> Buzz Aldrin punch is brilliant. It's really satisfying. Yeah. Must yeah. have watched that 20 times over. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, so I'm not encouraging by <laughs> Can you imagine if you went and someone went, no, you didn't go. Come on, tell the truth. God damn. Yeah. So who, you, you don't still think we didn't go to the moon, do you? Um, I believe in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. You know, just one last question. Oh, go on then. You mentioned Jeff Bezos. Here. Yeah. Um, do you know how close, is it the Blue Origin? Or yeah. Companies. Do you know how close they are to taking people for a trip to space? That trip to space thing. It comes down in a few minutes. 
It was supposed to be. It was actually supposed to be this year. They were going to try and squeeze one in this year, but it should be next year. That they, they should do it next year. The, the big race there is between Branson and Branson and Bezos for that particular trip bit. Hmm. But there's something I, I must admit when when they there's a video of the mannequin inside that capsule going up, and you can sort of uh, do the experience kind of. And I'm thinking, yeah. I think I might be a little bit annoyed for 200 grand that that's what I got. I think it'd be amazing. I'd, I'd, pay, I'd pay a few grand to do it, but, yes. but then someone said, oh yeah, but you do, you do know it costs 400 grand to rent a yacht for a week. And I went, ah yeah, and then you stick it into that context and it's like, well, yeah, of course. It's, yeah, for the wealthy, it's actually- What kind of yachts are you renting? Well, you know. 400 grand. <laughs> Yeah, that's the cheap one. That's the, <laughs> that's the, that's you the and one. your gold tax. <laughs> that's the one I come out of Ilfracombe to go to Lundy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, it's it's going to be that that should be interesting. What? what than... Yeah, it's going to be a lot sooner than that. And I think what's what's what, there, there could be a really exciting development on that one is that uh, you've got a couple of spaceports opening up in Britain that are hosting the the Virgin orbit. But in hosting Virgin Orbit, which is, which is basically an orbital rocket that launches from the bottom of a 747, one of Virgin's cosmic girl, it's called, and it launches off and it, and it launches off, but for launching reasonably small satellites. Um, but part of that means, of course, you've got Virgin at your airport, so there could be Virgin Galactic flights out of Cornwall or Swansea or, some, or something like that. So in, in the next few years, we might see space flights out of the UK, which would be pretty exciting, I think, yeah. Matt, I've got a question. If I enjoyed tonight and I didn't know about the Interplanetary Podcast, where would I go to get some <laughs> <laughs> I, I would go to www.interplanetary, yeah. spelt interplanetary, .org, Dot .uk. .org.uk. .org. And what would I find on this website? You'd find lots of interesting content Right. Uh, we normally do a little blog of each of each episode, nice. weekly episode. I might point out. Weekly episode. God knows why. Yeah. And uh, yes, and you'll also find little links out to interesting places like our merch store. If you feel like wearing a T-shirt. Are we on Instagram? We are on Instagram as well. Right. And what else could we do? And then we got a beautiful little Patreon site. Patreon which, site. Where, and we, I'm going to thank our patrons oh, right yes. now because they paid for our car journey thank you patrons yes so they paid for everything little patreon site where you can just donate i i'm always amazed by this that there is actually a place where which actually works where if people listen to the podcast and they just out of the kindness of their heart they donate and the, the people what benefits that, do you get if you become a patron well yeah, i think you get you get like depending on what level you go but you get things like a t-shirt and, and a mug like yeah Ooh. but you also get uh, to the best bit about it is you get to join our discord and discord is like a sort of messaging sort of closed messaging place where we all chat with one another and and i have to say the legends on the discord and we get new ones every day are, like are literally that they're legends produce the show, they are producing the show they're they're even writing elements of the show so we have been influenced by our patreons and they're writing elements they're even going to be start sending in their own interviews soon as well Absolutely. So yeah, we interview probably every other week we have an interview. At the moment we've got a lot backed up, haven't we? Yeah, we've got some good ones coming up as well. As I say, you can listen back. Brian Blessed, Tim Peake, Helen, Helen Sharman. Helen Sharman. The Marcus Allen, the, uh, the uh, moon hoaxer. Yeah. Guy. Helen Sharman was the first Brit to wear one of these. 
cycle sure. spaces and into into. Did you know Helen Sharman helped develop making Mars ice cream? Yeah, totally true. If you ever have Mars ice cream, Helen <coughs> Sharman, she was part of the crew. Yeah, so there we go, double legend. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they're amazing that Mars ice cream. I still think who'd that that's thunk it? who'd have thunk it. Yeah, so please check us out. Like, we really appreciate appreciate you coming down, and uh, be great if you went away and at least listened to it the first five minutes of one. If you like it, maybe you could hit subscribe. <laughs> or a like, <coughs> go to iTunes and like us. That's a yeah, good one, that's, that's a good, good one. one as well. um, I'm gonna just, there's one little thing that, I, that I've just thought about. That, you know, I mentioned the two ladies that did the first ever space, oh, fe yeah. all female spacewalk. Yeah. One of those, of course, might be the first woman on the moon. Yes. Yeah, so that would be quite a cool one. We'll leave you with that. Thank you very much. Thank you.